Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our meditation this morning from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15, listen again to verse 28. Then Jesus answered, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So far, our text. Years ago, Tombstone Pizza had an ad campaign that featured one of those slogans that is just really hard to forget. What do you want on your tombstone? And not only is this a really unique catchphrase for selling pizza, it's also a great question. It's a question that when you sit down to organize your own earthly exit strategy one day, you're going to ask and you're going to have to have an answer. What do you wish to advertise upon your tombstone? Your own graveside granite billboard, what do you want your epitaph to be? Now, you wouldn't think that walking through a cemetery could be fun, but it can be, especially when you stop and read the epitaphs. It turns out that a, a person's sense of humor can extend beyond the grave. Check out these gravestone gems. Raised four beautiful daughters with only one bathroom, and still there was love. <laughs> Isn't that great? Now I know something you don't. Great, okay. Here lies an atheist, all dressed up and no place to go. <laughs> love that. Of course, Kay's fudge recipe. You gotta love that. In the bottom it says, wherever she goes, there's laughter. Well, those epitaphs, they're, they're humorous, but they are rather out of the ordinary. Most gravestone epitaphs, they're only two words, aren't they? Loving father, loving mother, beloved grandmother, devoted husband, cherished grandfather, to name a few. But that being said, have you ever considered what you might want your epitaph to be? And I want you to think about that for a moment or two. Think about it. Two words, two words. If you had to choose two words to best memorialize your entire earthly life, what would those two words be? Good Lutheran, loving parent, nice guy, hockey fan, fishing fanatic, proud cheesehead, skull vikings. You know, what would it be? What two words would you choose? In my opinion, if you're looking for a two-word epitaph, you would be hard-pressed to do better than the words that Jesus used to describe the Canaanite woman in verse 28 of our text. And those two words are these, great faith. And without a doubt or question or second opinion, those are the words that I would love to have carved on my tombstone. You know, and that's what you want painted on your grave too. Because when the day comes for you to occupy that grave, being a good father or grandmother, 
or good fishermen or football or hockey fan. You know what? On that day, those things aren't going to matter to you one single bit because the only thing that matters on the day you die, the only thing that counts for heaven, the only thing that counts for forgiveness, the only day that counts for eternal life is faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And if you have great faith, well, all the better for you. But what is it? I mean, what is great faith all about? That's, that's the question of the day uh, today. And it certainly seems that this thing called great faith just might be a rather rare commodity. I mean, after all, great faith is a compliment that Jesus gives to only two people in his ministry, just two. The woman in our text and then the Roman centurion, the Roman soldier in Matthew 8. Neither of whom were Jewish, by the way. Neither of whom were disciples, by the way. Not even Peter, James, and John, Jesus' you know, favorites. They didn't have great faith sewn on the sleeve of their letter jacket. Want to know what I believe? I believe that great faith is a benchmark. I believe that great faith is a wonderful spiritual goal. Okay, uh, that the, you ask the Holy Spirit to bless you with. It, it's the bar, you know, sitting uh, up high. And so you pray for the gift of great faith as the miles roll by, you know, on your spiritual race. And you mature as a Christian, and you mellow, and you grow, and you're slowly perfected in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you with me this morning? Wouldn't it be great to have great faith? Again, what's it all about? So let's take a closer look at our text this morning. And it's a text that reveals at least three characteristics, three that go hand in hand with great faith. And the first characteristic is this. Someone who has great faith also has great need. That woman kneeling before Jesus that day she had an excruciatingly urgent need, didn't she? Her very own child, her daughter, whom she loved with her whole heart, was suffering from demonic possession, our text says. That means, that means her little girl was hurting physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And no town doctor or Canaanite priest or home remedy had provided any kind of relief, much less a cure. This woman was in dire need, one of the ingredients of great faith. Well, this is true. I mean, I mean, think about some of the Bible heroes renowned for their faith. Every last one had urgent needs. Noah faced a flood. Abraham is asked to sacrifice his little boy. Moses is pitted against the might of Pharaoh. David is up against Goliath. Elijah being hunted down again by evil uh, Queen Jezebel. Great need, great faith always go together. But you don't have to think very long, do you, to remember that you have some pretty intense needs of your own these days. Because some of you are wrestling with health problems, and some of those problems are life-threatening. Some of you struggle with your marriage because, you know what, 
marriage is hard, isn't it? And teenagers, you're living on the edge, aren't you? You know, you've, you've got choices in front of you. You've got decisions to make that are going to uh, have an effect on the entire rest of your life. Some of you have financial problems or workplace problems or relationship uh, problems you just can't seem uh, to get rid of. Don't we all have great needs, great demons that we wrestle with, you know, everyday pastors uh, included? But, but there's an other side of the coin. Keep in mind now that great need isn't always a bad thing. It's not. God loves to use great need to set you up for spiritual growth. And often, God will allow your life to become a little bit uncomfortable, won't he? He'll allow you to get needy. So what? So, you, so he can get your attention. So he can send you a message. So he can draw you closer uh, to himself and then open the door that takes your Christian faith to the next level. I mean, come on, think about it. When's the last time that you were closest to God? Okay, it was when you carried your problems, your heartaches, your greatest worries to your heavenly Father, and you laid them at his feet. Great need, always an ingredient of great faith. Second characteristic of great faith is this. Someone who has great faith, they have a humble spirit. All right, I, and you know, you know, people realize that they're needy, but they're too proud to ask for help, aren't they? Because, because asking for help means giving up control, and we're all control freaks, aren't we? Because asking for help means you're admitting that you can't handle the problem on your own, and that makes you feel uncomfortable. Let's be honest here now. We men, okay, we men are notorious for being too proud to ask for assistance, aren't we? Which is why we will drive the car out of gas. We'll be on the side of the road with that red light blinking before we will ask for directions, okay? And why we'll tear down half the house before admitting that, yeah, I may have bit off a little bit more than I can chew with this particular uh, project, and why we will roam the aisles at Cub Food for 40 minutes before asking someone where the evaporated milk is located. And by the way, it's in the baking aisle, okay? Well, you, it's milk. You wouldn't expect it, but it's in the baking aisle, okay? Woman in our text, she swallows her pride. She's a Samaritan woman. Jesus is a Jew. The Samaritans hated the Jews, and the feeling uh, was mutual, and yet she bows down in front of this Jewish rabbi in front of all of her friends and neighbors. She puts her face in the dirt and asks a Jew uh, for help. She, she forgets about her pride. She admits that she's in way over her head. She confesses to Jesus that only he can help her. She has a humble spirit. But oh, Lord, Willie Nelson said, what? It's hard to be humble. You know, do you have a great need in your life? Swallow your pride. Because God's not going to help you just because you're better than most folks. He's not going to help you because you're all that. He's not going to help you because you somehow deserve to be helped. You don't. You don't deserve one good thing from God. 
you're a crummy sinner. I'm a crummy sinner. You let God down all the time. You know, so do I. No, God will help you because he chooses to. God will come to your aid because he wants to. God will rescue you simply because he loves you, even though there's no good reason for him to do that. Swallow your pride when you are in need. Assume the proper position of a creature before the creator. That would be on your knees. Admit that you bring nothing to the plate. In fact, show God what the end of your rope looks like. Admit that you need him and no one else. That is a humble spirit. The second ingredient of great faith. One more great faith characteristic this morning. It's this. Someone who has great faith, it's also someone who is persistent. Now that lady in our text, she didn't possess a single ounce of give up, did she? Not even when Jesus ignores her. Not even when the disciples try to send her away. Not even when Jesus calls her a little puppy dog, you know, and in the Greek, that's what that uh, word means, okay? Little lap dog, uh, Jesus called her. Yes, Lord, she counters, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table, and Jesus is blown away. Persistent, persistent, persistent. So how many times... Do you, God, do you go to God in prayer before you give up? How many times do you ask God for forgiveness when you mess up? How many times do you ask God for the answer or for direction or comfort or wisdom before you stop asking? You know, are you persistent in your spiritual life? And by the way, Does God actually recognize your prayer voice simply because he's hearing it over and over again? Well, I don't know. What does the Bible say? Seek his presence continually, 1 Chronicles 16. Be constant in prayer, Romans 12. Pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 15. Ask and it shall be given you, Matthew 7. Squeaky wheel isn't it? The squeaky wheel, persistence, great faith go hand in hand. So, what do you want on your tombstone? What epitaph will be written below your name? Ask the Holy Spirit to continue to grow your Christian faith, your relationship with Jesus through God's word and sacraments. Let the Holy Spirit teach you how to be needy and humble and persistent. And one day, when it's time for a slice of granite to sum up that earthly life of yours, may two little words be more than enough. Great faith. Amen. And may the peace in Christ that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.